welcome to the Alabama Literacy Networks podcast, which is designed to share information and best practices for literacy in the state of Alabama. We hope to bring a wide variety of resources together to help school leaders, teachers, and parents so that all children read at high levels. We believe that literacy is a fundamental right that is tied to so many positive outcomes that we want for the citizens of Alabama. This podcast was brought to you by Bright Spot Ed, LLC, an educational consulting company based in Alabama, providing consulting, professional learning, evaluation services, and resources. Our goal is to highlight the good and replicate it across education. Check us out at brightspoted.com. I'm your host, Shelly Bell Smith. Today, we will be talking to Josh Barrington, who is one of my favorite people to talk books with. He is a true guru, and I've also heard that he is a consultant for Santa Claus on what he puts under trees and in stockings. And Josh is a Birmingham native, and after completing his undergraduate education at the University of Montevallo and his graduate work at Auburn University, he taught world history for a few years before working as an advisor for a student support services program at the University of Montevallo. For the last five years, he has worked for Barnes & Noble, three of that as head of the children's department. Currently, he is the business development manager covering most of the Barnes & Noble stores in Alabama and Arkansas, working with schools, nonprofits, and other institutions and corporations to determine and fulfill their bulk ordering needs. Welcome, Josh. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for having me. This is very exciting for me. It's my first podcast. And I think it's just, I think it's great that you're doing this. Shelly and I have known each other for several years. So I, I just think this is exciting that you have this podcast. And you and I talk books a lot. And I know a little bit more about you than other people. So maybe start by telling everyone how you fell in love with reading. Oh, gosh. Well, it was not really a choice in my household. I have to say, reading and music were absolutely ubiquitous in my household. We, we were constantly listening to music of all kinds, and reading was always encouraged. I don't remember, I truly don't remember a time when I wasn't either being read to or, or reading myself. And I think a lot of that is to credit my mom and my grandmother, who were both big readers, my mom especially, to this day, an avid reader. And she introduced me to books and introduced me to sort of the magic of books. Mom is still a big believer, but I remember when I was a kid, she would say all the time, books can take you anywhere. And growing up in, in rural Indiana, that's that was how she traveled, was through books. And that was passed on to me. And so it was always fun. It was always encouraged. It never felt like a chore. I think that she had a lot to do with it. And my grandmother had a lot to do with it. And I have to also give a shout out to my elementary school librarian, Miss Hansen, uh, because Miss Hansen opened my eyes to a lot of different types of books. When I was in about the first grade, I was checking the same book out over and over again. And she finally stopped me one day. She said, you cannot check this book out anymore until you read something new. So she introduced me to the Boxcar Children. Once I'd read all the Boxcar Children, she introduced me to the Hardy Boys. Once I'd read all the Hardy Boys, I read all the Nancy Drew. She said, believe me, if you love those, you'll love this. She introduced me to the Goosebumps at a book fair, which I think changed my reading life when I was in the second grade. Those books blew me away. It was a series that I was obsessed with very early on and all of R.L. Stein's work after that. So I have to credit Ms. Hansen as well, because she really got me to read a lot of different types of books. So thank you wherever you are, Ms. Hansen. 
That would be an interesting conversation in and of itself, just the influences on our lives for either our parents or someone who was a teacher or a librarian. And I have so many of those same stories. And so I bet many of our listeners uh, can really relate to that. Before we get to the real reason that I had you come today, which was to talk about recommendations for books for our readers, tell us a little bit about Classworks and the portal that institutions can use to order books easier. Well, thank you for letting me do a quick plug for that because uh, I'm very excited about it. Barnes & Noble has created a new online ordering portal for our educators. It was designed with our educators in mind called Classwork, and it's meant to make their lives easier. It's meant to make shopping easier for them. Once we get them signed up, educators can go on this portal. They can search for titles. They can build shopping lists. They can duplicate shopping lists if they're looking for multiple grade levels, perhaps, or multiple classrooms. They can order straight from the portal, which is really exciting, and have them shipped straight to them. So it's a, it's an efficient, quick, easy way for teachers to shop and still support their local Barnes & Noble, but to do it online any time of the day and night. I think the best thing about the portal right now is that anything that you purchase through the portal is in stock in our main warehouses. So right now, a lot of us are experiencing shipping delays or delays from other vendors or publishers because of everything going on. So if you order the books through Classwork, they're going to be in stock and they're going to get to you in a few days. So it's, I think it's a great portal for educators to have right now. And anyone that wants to know more about it, I know that this is going out to listeners beyond my territory. Uh, so just contact your local Barnes & Noble, your local Barnes & Noble representative. If you're in Alabama or Arkansas, you can contact me. I know that this will be on Twitter and I'll make sure to retweet it. So you'll have a way to contact me online through Instagram or Twitter, the, the tools that we use now. So yes, thank you for letting me talk about that. Oh, I love that. I have to tell you about uh, a time when I went and did a really crazy shopping trip for books. And I spent hours and hours in a bookstore loading up boxes and boxes and it was so much work. And so that sounds so much easier and more efficient. So I've loved that you, I love that you've made it easier for schools and districts to order. So now on to what everyone's wanting to hear. You always have the best recommendations for books. So what do you have for our youngest readers? What are you recommending to Santa to bring to them? There are so many exciting books for our youngest readers right now. Santa's Cup runneth over, particularly with picture books. And I always think about picture books this time of year. I always think about our story times and Christmas story times. And I know that Santa and Mrs. Claus are a big fan of story time as well. So the picture books, that's sort of where I always start. And one of my absolute favorites from this year, and maybe it speaks to the type of book that I'm really interested in, is called The Midnight Fair. And it came out earlier in 2021 by Gideon Starer and illustrated by Maria Chiara de Giorgio. And it is a wordless picture book. So if you remember Jerry Pinkney's wordless picture book about the lion and the mouse, or if you remember Aaron Becker's Journey, these picture books that do not have dialogue, they do not have words, they tell a story just using the illustrations. And this is about a fair that is shut down for the night 
and the animals in the surrounding forest come out once twilight has set and flip the switch and ride the rides and join the fair. And it's about what happens after the rest of us go to sleep and the fair shuts down for the night and the animals take over. So a bear winning a stuffed bear and a carnival uh, game or a badger driving bumper cars. And, and the illustrations are beautiful. Her use of color and light is stunning. It reminded me in some ways of Jerry Pinkney, who we just lost this year. And I really loved his work. And I loved Aaron, I love Aaron Becker's work. And this book reminded me of those authors and those stories. And so that was one of my favorites. If you love books that tell their own story like that, it's it's whimsical. It's fun. I love it. Anything else for picture books? Well, talking of story time, this book, when I read it, it made me really miss weekly story times because I was laughing out loud and I could picture all the kids and all the parents laughing out loud too. And it's called Gladys the Magic Chicken. (laughs) It's all in the title, Gladys the Magic Chicken. You just want to pick up that book and buy it. It's by Adam Rubin, who wrote Dragons Love Tacos. I know that everyone remembers that book and loves that book. And Uh, Adam Rex is the illustrator, and they've created this wonderful story about this chicken who accidentally goes on an adventure in ancient times, from the shepherd boy who owns her to a palace that the palace of the great purple poobah to a pirate ship. And everyone she meets along the way think that she's, they think she's magic. And she's sort of accidentally magic. She has no magical powers She's just in the right place at the right time for everyone to see magic within her. And so they all believe that she's more powerful than she is. So it's this rather hapless chicken who goes on all these adventures in the ancient times. And it's hilarious. It's an absolutely hilarious book. Adults will love it. Their kids will love it. It's silly. It's fun. It's sort of perfect for right now to just go on an adventure with Gladys and and sort of learn that magic is where you want it to be. And magic is in the world if you're just prepared to see it. And I loved that. I loved that message in the book. So anyone that loved Dragons Love Tacos, go get this book. You will love it. It's a it's a great standalone story and I highly recommend it. I mean, I was in tears at some points, truly laughing out loud because it was so clever and so well-written and the illustrations are wonderful. Then it is a must buy. I think so. Like I said, it, it, it just screams story time, whether that's a big story time or a family story time. I think everyone will enjoy it. Wonderful. Another one that I think is is really exciting right now, Jan Brett, who wrote Mittens, and she's she's written a lot of picture books. I think everyone will know who Jan Brett is. She wrote The Nutcracker this year. She put out her version of The Nutcracker. So if you're looking for a new take on an old classic from an, an author that you, you know you will love, Jan Brett's The Nutcracker is a great book, beautifully illustrated. The traditional story of The Nutcracker, she's not reinventing the wheel necessarily, but it's really beautiful book. It would make a great book for Christmas. I have a daughter that collects nutcrackers. And so that is on my list. It is great for that because I do know a lot of people that look for something connected to the nutcracker every year. There's always something. And it's a story that you don't get tired of really. It's, it's classic. So I think that will make a great addition. 
if you wanted something a little sillier for Christmas, there's a new Grumpy Monkey book out by Suzanne Lang called Grumpy Monkey, Oh No, Christmas. If you're familiar with the Grumpy Monkey series, it's very similar. He starts out really disgusted with the world and in spite of himself through the charity and kindness of those around him. And he he gets into the holiday spirit. And so that's that's more of a fun one. I always like the grumpy monkey. I, I kind of sympathize with sometimes you just feel like you're having a bad day and it takes others to remind you things are not as bad as they seem. We might all know a grumpy monkey. <laughs> Probably so. There are there are always grumpy monkeys in our lives. And that's that but that's a really that's a really cute new addition to the Grumpy Monkey series for the for the Christmas season. There are a lot of great picture books out right now. One that people might be interested in, The Water Protectors. One, The Caldecott. came out a year ago. It won the 2021 Caldecott. That's a really beautiful book uh, for anyone that keeps up with those award winners, for anyone that wants a book that has a great message and tells a great story at the same time. Same with Born on the Water, which is a really popular title right now with teachers. It's by Nicole Hannah-Jones and Renee Watson, two award-winning authors. There's Catman of Aleppo, which tells a really sweet story within uh, the time of the Syrian civil war. So it's a it's a dark setting that tells a really sweet story. And that was a Caldecott honor book this year. So there's lots of great books out there, lots of great picture books, too many to cover right now, but there's plenty out there for Santa's list. I think you and I could do a podcast on each one of these categories. I know it's hard. It's hard to condense, isn't it? It It is. is. That's right. And to decide which one. So moving on to a little bit older recipient, what else do you have in your big bag of recommendations for Santa? Well, moving into more chapter books for our youngest readers, Chapter books I tend to think of in terms of series. There's always new books coming out. If you're a Magic Treehouse fan, there's there's more Magic Treehouse coming up. So one of the series that I really love, Press Start, there's several of those. Those are great for particularly readers who love Minecraft, who love video games. Press Start's a great, almost graphic novel chapter book. It's been really popular with kids who maybe don't love to read. And they get really into that book and they get really into that series. Some of the newer, I think the newer, more exciting things that are happening in chapter books uh, is very similar to what's happening with young readers in middle grade, which is graphic novels are starting to appear in chapter books. And for a while now, a trend has been for stories that are young readers, for example, Wrinkle in Time or The Giver to be adapted into graphic novel. And now you're starting to see that with chapter books. So I mentioned the Magic Treehouse. The first two to three Magic Treehouse books, which are beloved you know, by everyone, those have been adapted in a graphic novel format. Same stories, just told in that illustrated format. And so those Dinosaurs Before Dark and Nights at Dawn were the first two. And I know those are out. I believe the third one is coming out soon, uh, maybe even before Christmas if it's not already. So for people who already love The Magic Treehouse, those are great. It's a new way to revisit an old favorite. Or maybe for readers who are intimidated by the words on the page, I think graphic novels help with that. And it's the same stories that you've loved and the same stories that people grew up with on The Magic Treehouse. They're just adapted as graphic novels. So that's that's a new thing in chapter books that I think is is very exciting. 
I think if you have a reluctant reader, one of the things that can make a difference is to get them hooked on a series and they just are addicted. And so my son was one of those kids. He didn't really like fiction, but he got into a series and he just kept going. And so if you have a child that doesn't particularly love reading a series that they fall in love with can make the difference. Absolutely. And I, and I saw that all the time when I was working in the kids department series, like The Bad Guys by Aaron Blabley, which is just a silly chapter book, uh, but kids love it. And that is just a gateway to more words on a page, maybe. It's, it's, a, it's a great way to start. And I think with graphic novels, what's so exciting, and I'm, I'm seeing it more and more in my interactions with teachers is that they are ordering them for their classroom. They're ordering them for their libraries. I think for a while, people were a little bit skeptical of the graphic novel craze. They felt like maybe it wasn't really reading. And now I think we've moved beyond that. I think people are so excited for them now. Whatever you, you're reading, as long as you're reading, that's what's important. And if graphic novels is what you want to read, that's great. You're still getting a great story. You're getting great art. And hopefully it leads to reading other books and other series. So I think it's wonderful. And you're starting to see more adaptations. The Animorphs, which was a series I just loved when I was a kid, is now being adapted. The I Survive books, are hugely popular are now being adapted for graphic novels. The Wings of Fire, The Babysitter's Club, this, that may have been one of the first ones that started it. And those are still very popular and have, I think, generated an interest in the original stories as well. So I, I love it. I think it's great that graphic novels are, are getting their day in the sun. I agree. And especially for some of those classics that perhaps people would not read if they were not in the graphic novel form. I think it's making it accessible to so many people that otherwise wouldn't have read it at all. Absolutely. And it's true with, for example, Jason Reynolds. I mean, I don't, we're not going to talk about a lot of YA in this podcast because there's only so much time, but Shelley knows what a fan I am of Jason Reynolds' work. And this year, The Long Way Down, one of his great novels, his great YA novels, was adapted into a graphic novel. And I had a ton of teachers and librarians order that book for their collections. So you're starting to see it across the board, which is which is really cool. And there's always great graphic novel series as well. Like you said earlier, get people interested in a series, like the Emmy and Friends series by... Uh, Terry Liebenson. Those are great books. They're really popular with middle school students. It starts with the first book, which is Invisible Emmy, and who's about a it's about a shy creative girl that's just trying to get through middle school with her friends. And they're they're sort of classic, simple middle school stories. And yet they're fun, they're funny, they're heartwarming, they're about friendship, and each subsequent book follows another character that you've met along the way, another one of her friends. There's a new one of those that has just come out, Truly Tyler, which is about a boy that she has a crush on. And Becoming Brianna came out recently. That's part of that series. There's another one coming out in May called Remarkably Ruby. They're fun titles. They're fun. They're fun books. And I think perhaps we could uh, recognize ourselves or some other people that we know in those middle school novels. 
Absolutely. I think we all remember what middle school was like. It's not, it's maybe not our, uh, the best version of ourselves where everyone's trying to figure it out. And that's what these books are about is just kids trying to figure it out. And that's really become a theme in a lot of the graphic novels that I've seen. A lot of them do take place in that middle school setting and kids that are younger than middle school are reading them. It's almost like it's preparing them. And they're not too serious or they're they're dramatic in a fun way. So I think it's great. A- another favorite this year by Whitney uh, Gardner called Long Distance has been really popular. And it's about a girl that moves. She's moved against her will to Seattle by her parents and they're trying to get her to make friends. And so they send her to a camp where mysterious things start happening. Her cell phone goes dead and she buys bonds with her bunkmates as they try to figure out what's going on in this camp. If anyone remembers the book from a few years ago, Fake Blood, Whitney Gardner wrote that as well about a boy who trying to impress a girl becomes a, tries to become a fake vampire. They're really funny. They're really sweet. So yeah, that's, that's been another one of my favorites this year. It's long distance for fans of graphic novels. Well, I am a fan of graphic novels and my students many years ago made me a fan. So I am all about that. So what else is Santa Claus considering bringing to people? Well, one thing that I learned from my mother is that you're never too old for Santa Claus. And as long as you believe, she always said this, as long as you believe he will, he will visit. And so even our older students can still add books to Santa's list as we move into young, young, true young readers and, and middle grade. There's, there've been some great, I mean, great new releases this year, and we could talk about them for the next hour. We won't, I promise, but it's too much to talk about in the time we have. So I was just going to mention some of my favorites. Of course, there are the old favorites. Our favorite authors usually come out with a book around the holidays. So if you're a Dab Pilkey fan, if you're a Dogman fan, there's a new Cat Kid book called The Cat Kid Comic Club Perspective that just came out this week. If you're a Diary of the Wimpy Kid book by Jeff Kinney, he's got a new one out called Big Shot. If you are a fan of Chris Colfer's series, Tale of Sorcery came out several weeks ago. There's a new one from him. If you, Jewel Parker Rhodes, who wrote Ghost Boys and Towers Falling, she has a new one out called Paradise on Fire, which I haven't gotten to read yet, but I'm sure is just as incredible as Ghost Boys was. Nick Stone, my my godsons love Nick Stone. He's he's fun and funny, and he's got a new one out called Fast Pitch. There's a new Spy School by Stuart Gibbs, Spy School at Sea. So there's a lot of new releases from our favorite authors. Rick Riordan has a new one out called Daughter of the Deep, which I haven't read yet, but it seems to be moving a little bit away from the mythology angle that he typically writes at. It's about a marine, a maritime academy, and this young girl who is in a marine academy and she has to take part in the trials at sea. And there's, I think there's a conflict between another academy that's on land. It's the conflict between land and sea. I'm sure it's just as fun and adventuresome as his other novels are. So that's a great new one. Um, But there are a few that I'm very excited about that I did want to mention in a little more detail. The first one is The Beatrice Prophecy by Kate DiCamillo, maybe best known for or A Tale of Despero, or Because of Winn-Dixie. This book is like nothing she's written before. It's a medieval fantasy about Beatrice is discovered at a monastery and a quest 
follows. I, I don't want to give too much away. It's a it's a magical story. It's she goes on a quest with a demon goat by her side, which sounds strange, but it works. The the demon goat almost steals the show. He'll become your favorite character. And Swelika, the demon goat, it's it's a really fun book. And it's got beautiful illustrations by Sophie Blackall, who is a Caldecott award-winning illustrator herself. She won the Caldecott for Hello Lighthouse a couple of years back, which was absolutely one of my favorite picture books that year. She won the Caldecott also for Finding Winnie, which was the illustration she did for another middle grade novel about the true story of Winnie the Pooh. So they've they've teamed up for this book. It's 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 truly a match made in heaven. It's a wonderful, wonderful story, fantasy and friendship. And I think people will really, really like it. It's it's fun and it's very different from maybe what you've come to expect from Kate to Camilla. And I always love it when authors can surprise you. And the same is true of the next one I'm excited about actually, which is Kaleidoscope by Brian Selznick. Anyone that's known me for longer than 10 minutes has probably heard me talk about Brian Selznick's books. I read them in my 30s and loved them just as much as I, I hope kids do in, in their, you know, around 8, 9, 10, 11. Of course, his, his most well-known book is Hugo Cabret. And he followed that with Wonderstruck and the Marvels. And what I loved about his books is that he used the illustrations to not just complement the story, but to propel the story. You had to pay attention to the drawings in those books. In Hugo Cabret, they help advance the story intermixed with the words. In Wonderstruck, the illustrations told an entirely separate story from what was written, and those stories eventually connect. And same in the Marvels, where an entire story is told in illustrations and an entire connected story is told in prose and it's and then how how do those two meet up i think what he does is brilliant and so i was very excited about kaleidoscope but i have to to tell our listeners it's not like those three books he he really does something different this time it's almost will read as a series of short stories they're sort of fragments of stories that make up if you will a kaleidoscope that seem in the beginning not to necessarily be connected to each other, but it's Brian Selznick. So of course they are. And and the way that he brings everything together as always is moving and fascinating and speaks to a lot of emotions that I think people are probably feeling right now. I, it, it blew me away. It's not his typical fare, but it it was wonderful. I, I don't. I just don't think he can do wrong as far as I'm concerned, at least. I really love him a lot. So I, I was very excited about that one. Another one that people are probably very excited about is Pony by R.J. Uh, Palacio. R.J. Palacio wrote Wonder. Everyone remembers Wonder from several years back. They made it into that wonderful movie. And it's been a fixture on reading lists, I think, since the moment it was published. And for good reason, too. It was a beautiful book. It spoke to friendship. It spoke to bullying. It had a lot to say, that book. And I think the question was, how do you follow Wonder? It was such an incredible book. How do you follow that? And Pony doesn't attempt to. It tells a completely different type of story uh, about a 12-year-old boy whose father is kidnapped. And this boy and his pony go on a mission to rescue his father, along with the boy's best friend, who is a ghost because this boy can communicate with ghosts. And it delves deeper into that. And it, it takes place in the 19th century. It has a very Western feel. So it's 
it's very different from Wonder, but every bit is good. And I think people will really, people that loved her voice in Wonder will love this story as well. So I was, I was very excited to see that, that a new one had come out. I think a lot of people will immediately go and and get that just based on their experience with Wonder. I agree. And I hope that a lot of teachers will too, because I know how popular that story is and, and the offshoots of that story that she's created over the years. And so she came out and did something unique and different from that, which it goes back to Kate DiCamillo, Brian Selznick. There's sort of a theme here, I guess, and I swear it was accidental, which is that I, I love it when authors can surprise me and all three of them did that this year. And, and another really popular school read that does have a direct sequel out right now, Out of My Mind by Sharon Draper, which is a great middle grade novel about a girl, Melody, who has cerebral palsy. And the first book, I mean, it, it just grabs you. That first book, it grabs you by the gut and by the heart. And rightly so, it has taken off in schools and in libraries. And so many years later, she's written a sequel called, the first one's called Out of My Mind, this one's called Out of My Heart. And it follows, it takes place a year later from the events of Out of My Mind and follows Melody as she's sent to a camp for those that are differently abled. And so she's surrounded by kids who are like her making their way in the world. And they get up to the same hijinks that you can imagine in any camp story. And it's really lovely. So I was, I know people will be excited to have a sequel to that book. I know I and and a lot of people I've talked to love spending time with that character. And so to get to revisit her and see what's going on in her life a year later is a joy. And of course, that's always one of the draws of a series to me is you fall in love with a character and then you get to see what they do next. And so anytime that there is a sequel, I am in. Yeah. Me too. Me too. And, and it's sometimes you, you're left wanting more and that's a good thing. Sometimes it's good to be left wanting more, but it's always, and it's always wonderful when the sequel can live up to the original. And I think that Sharon Draper has done that with Out of My Heart. It wasn't just writing a sequel for a sequel's sake. It's just as moving. It's just as funny it's just as heartwarming as Out of My Mind was. And it's and, and like that book, you'll fall into it. You won't want to put it down. So it's it's always good when they can come up with something that's that's just as engaging as the first one. I was just thinking that Santa Claus probably really uses the Classworks portal because <laughs> that is a lot of ordering to do from all of these books. He does, yes. Yeah. Santa is, he likes his shopping to be as as efficient as possible too. The elves are really busy with the toys. So sometimes Santa has to order the books and uh, we're here to help him. That's the fun part of the job, right? Getting to help out Santa at Christmas time. And as you can tell, I, I can talk up a blue streak about these books and there's more that I haven't discussed that are that are just as exciting and even older books that I love that I still want people to read if they haven't. <laughs> well, and you usually give me ideas for books for myself. And so we may have to do a follow-up for the grown-ups who maybe Santa is not delivering book to as much as the younger people, but still want to read wonderful books. So Josh, thank you so much for being with me today. I appreciate your role as Santa Claus's book advisor and provider. And 
I know that all the readers here in Alabama and beyond appreciate it as well. I want our audience to check out the Classworks portal for your school orders and visit your local Barnes & Noble or barnesandnoble.com for your personal orders. Well, thank you for having me. This was fun. I hope it was helpful. And yes, if you're in this area, track me down and we can talk books. I have even more recommendations. I know it. we could talk for hours, but uh, we will save that for another day. Join us again for the next episode of the Alabama Literacy Network's podcast.